Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Lean Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Halem, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and uh, as the first of our many uh, entryways into fooling around with certain characters' filmographies, uh, we're going to just watch some Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons and have fun. <laughs> yeah. That's really where we're at. <laughs> yep. We're just doing this for fun. Yeah. You know, there's there's no big grand theming about this. No. It's just, we just want to talk about the Roadrunner. Now, it, it, literally what this is, folks, is I said on a podcast about three months ago that I, I really enjoy every once in a while when Mark will throw a couple of Roadrunner cartoons uh, our way just, just for the heck of it. And then suddenly Mark sends me a message saying, hey, look at what changed on the on the podcast schedule. And then in a couple of weeks, I, I saw, oh yeah, pick three Runner Runner Car- Coyote cartoons. I'm like, all right. So. <laughs> yeah, because um, I originally had this episode slated for like way down the line. Yeah, we, and I just thought, that's mean. Yeah. Why, why am I doing that? That's a mean thing. Well, we should, we should, <laughs> I just have to report up the schedule. So do it. Push it up about yeah. a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like, I like that we can do these little character ones and. And um, for those of you who missed um, the last episode, I literally just picked them randomly, the ones we're covering today, from just at the end of last episode. I just like, boop, we're doing this one, we're doing this one, and we're doing this one. And um, I didn't initially plan on doing a uh, DePatty Freeling one, but I figured, you know what, if we're talking about the full career span of Roadrunner and Coyote, I wanted to at least talk about where they ended up. And I figured that would be some interesting conversation. And I, I, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to what we think of that one. Yeah. But, um, Mark, what were the three cartoons that um, that I did end up picking this week? All right. So the three shirts that you picked were Hook, Line, and Stinker, mm-hmm. Beep Prepared, mm-hmm. and Highway Runnery. Yeah. And that gives you a good picture because I, I tried to pick one from the beginning of, of their run in WB. I tried to pick one from the 60s, and I tried to pick one from the, the, the throws of the hellish De Patty Freeling ones, just to give a full arc of what these characters became, what they went through, and how they adapted. Um, any preliminary thoughts? Because um, I know that we talked about the Roadrunner and Coyote a while ago in our preliminary preliminary episodes. I can't talk today. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add about the Roadrunner and Coyote? What makes them great or that, that you didn't say in the, in the first one? Um, not really. Just that uh, the last Roadrunner Wild Coyote thing we watched was their segment in the Christmas yes. uh, special, yes. the Bugs Bunny Christmas Tales. So in watching these three, that was the thing that I would not consciously compare it to, but to go, okay, the last thing I saw was this. Yeah. Is this short I'm watching right now better or 
worse than um, that segment in the Christmas thing. And I, I can thankfully say that a majority of the shorts we're going to talk about today are better than the uh, than the uh, Christmas Tells one. Yes. And one may be worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we'll get to again. Which we'll get to. I think you can probably guess which one we're going to end up not liking. But um, <laughs> suffice to say, we will get there. But before we do get there, um, should I just get into the first one? Should we just get the ball uh, rolling yep. down the down the cliff uh, early? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. The first one that we're going to be covering today is a cartoon called Hook, Line, and Stinker. This was one of the first 10 or so Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner cartoons that were produced. Um, this was released on October 11th, 1958. Um, not much was actually happening events-wise that day, although in theaters you could find two, two classics, uh, The Defiant Ones, which is the uh, Sidney Poitier-Tony Curtis combo, and, and, and also Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, which was uh, based on the Tennessee Williams play of the same name. Uh, both of those were in theaters. Um, you know, just a fairly simple 80s good movie, uh, 50s good movie. Uh, not, not the 80s, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> but, um, this is a Chuck Jones, Michael Maltese piece. Um, there, I wanted to note that, uh, the character animation in this cartoon was done by the trio of Ben Wash and Richard Thompson and Ken Harris, some pretty, uh, high profile, uh, WB animators of this time period. Other than that, the, the job is pretty simple in terms of Wile E. Coyote stuff. It's the same sort of general makeup of everything. I like to write down the, um, the Latin names that they give us when they do these. Um, the Roadrunner's Latin name was Bernius Rodibus, and the Coyotes was Famishus Famishus. You know, solid. You know, the, the joke has been done better, but, you know, pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. So actually getting into this one, one of the things that we always notice when we cover Wild Coyote Roadrunner cartoons is that the opening gag is always really simple and always proof of concept. It introduces the characters, it introduces the fact that the Roadrunner is really fast, and that the coyote is not as fast and is amazed by this. And it, they literally always need to waste about 40 seconds of runtime in order to do a gag that just fills in the audience for what this dynamic is. I get from a production standpoint why they would do this. It just, I mean, it, it takes away from, from runtime and it doesn't take away as much as it would uh, in later entries. But it's a simple opening gag we have here, where, you know, obviously the Roadrunner runs away from Coyote, uh, leaving a, a pile of smoke for Wiley Coyote. I love Wiley Coyote's smoke-filled beard that he comes up with. And also just the timing of the jaw drop that he has. But this is basically every other Roadrunner-Coyote opening gag that doesn't end in, like, an actual gag. So there's not really much to say about it. I don't know if you have anything else to say about it over there. I like the animation of the jaw drop. Yeah, so do I. It's very nicely done. Yeah. This is the one of the three. This one I don't think has the best animation of the three, but the animation in general is very much... Um, this one has the full yellow backdrops and the more stylized desert of the later era, which is weird because one of the ones we're covering later has more of a blue sky, which... From the way that they described it in the featurettes on the Golden Collections drink, they basically said that the arc of the Wiley Coyote Roadrunner cartoons was that they started with more 
traditional realistic deserts with blue sky and like more traditional colored grounds. And then it became more stylized and more outlandish as it went on with more yellow skies and more weird non-orthogonal objects. And so it's odd chronology wise that a yellow sky one comes before a blue sky one and there's a blue sky one that we're covering later. But um, animation wise, this one was interesting because, and, and I'll, I'll just talk about this before I go into any more individual gags. There's a few points in this cartoon where there's odd, like, zoom-ins that aren't the entire frame, but, like, feel like they're cutting corners. Not entirely, not as much as, as they would later, but it feels like there are a couple zooms here that, um, like, it, like it, when they will zoom in on a specific part of the shot rather than the full frame, it seems primitive compared to what zooms could be done later with animation. It just seems like more of a an easy fix zoom. I don't know if this caught you the same way, but... It caught me, but not on this cartoon in particular. Okay. I mean, there's a later one that has more different... Uh, we're doing a whole lot of foreshadowing, but let's at least <laughs> get to this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so the first actual gag is a pretty simple one. You know, trap the Roadrunner under a cast iron bucket, throw a firecracker in... And of course, by cartoon logic, the Roadrunner appears from the stage left after he's already trapped him in the button, confusing Wild and Coyote, who has to check under the lid as the firecracker reignites. The timing of him slamming down the bucket, the firecracker going off, and then the bucket being wrapped around him like a like a little cone funnel. That was pretty good. I like that. I don't know why this got me, but I was shocked to see the bucket actually land on the Roadrunner. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he got him. Yeah. I saw the frame of the animation. Well, he got what? away, but yeah. He <laughs> got away, but like, before that reveal, it's like, he got him. <laughs> yeah. This next gag is, is one that's like, does a lot in a short period of time. Because it's, it's the hammerhead falling off of the hammer. And then Wiley just in the same, stuck in the same whacking motion with the, the stick and it's just really exaggerated where the stick basically, he lets go of the stick and it keeps doing the same motion and then it starts hitting him and chasing after him. It's simple and goofy and doesn't make any sense in the realm of physics. Um, but it's very charming. Not as funny as other ones in this one, but charming. The best gags in these cartoons are just sheer misdirects. Like there's a great one here where Wiley sets up bird seed on the railroad tracks and is, is smirking and motions what's gonna happen to the Roadrunner. And as he's doing this, as he's doing the setup, instead of actually the gag happening, the train comes and crushes him. I love that. It completely subverts the audience expectations. We think another gag is coming, but it just ends there. That's what I love about the, the Michael Maltese, Chuck Jones ones, because they could play with the gag work like that. And they could just construct gags so wonderfully. Um, yeah, around this part of the cartoon is where I was starting to notice a lot of the zooms. But thankfully, we do go wide in the shot where, because um, this is the balloon gag, where he's swinging from the balloon, and he just sort of basically swings down, hanging, suspended from a balloon, then goes out and gets struck by a giant pang of lightning, <laughs> which I'm glad we went wide. I always love it when the hand of God is the reason for failure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, those are the best ones, where it's not even like physics or the Roadrunner being smarter. It's just God trying to screw with Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> Those are great. Okay. Next one is... All, uh, there's a lot of really simple gags in this cartoon. The next one is the dynamite under the bridge gag. 
where the, the string of dynamite just keeps rolling back towards Wiley until, uh, I love the timing of the rolling back towards him and how the smoke clears to reveal another gag rather than an epilogue to that one. It's just, it's used as a transition. Yes. Very clever. I love that. Yes. That's a perfect segue. Um, the piano gag is next, and that's one of the centerpieces of this cartoon. This one is a classic physics don't work for Wiley, and so Wiley is directly at risk of being hurt by physics gag, which those are classic in these, because it's basically a, a piano suspended over a target that doesn't fall when it's supposed to, and Wiley has to literally check the rope himself all the way as it hangs. Then once he's pulling from on top of the piano, it finally falls. It, it's a classic concept, but the fact that it's a piano out in the middle of the desert, I think, charmed me. And also just the, the physics of him dropping with it. And this is a gag that does have an epilogue where Wiley has landed and he sets up and his teeth is full of piano keys, which he plays taps on. I like that one. And then the finale gag is a giant Rube Goldberg machine, which is clever. Yeah. It's more clever than funny. A lot of this cartoon, honestly, is more clever than outwardly funny. There's a couple of really funny gags, but this final one is like, oh, look at this. Oh, and now this is, oh, look at it. It's, it's cool. It's very cool. And, of course, the ending yeah. is that he's expecting a cannonball to land on the Roadrunner, but instead it lands on Wiley Coyote and pounds him right into the ground, and the little the end signal shows up on the cannonball and we iris out. So it's it's a simple ending to a very convoluted gag, which really sums up this this... Um, cartoon. It, it's, it's a very simple Wiley Coyote cartoon. It works, but yeah. there's, in my opinion, there weren't a lot of standout gags. There were some good ones, but there and there was nothing especially bad in this cartoon, but there wasn't like one cartoon where I can point to and say that is like the one, like maybe the piano one, I guess, but or, or the railroad one, but like there's no like highlight reel ones in this one. It's just a solid, simple Wiley Coyote cartoon. Uh, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I found this one perfectly fine. Um, I did find it funny how in the I believe I believe it was the last gag where he had the all the bird seed you can eat free yeah. sign for the Roadrunner and it's served in a small bowl. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, he's totally yeah, he's gonna live off of that. It's like, look, no, here, he's not. you're doing a horrible job. Being the Roadrunner must be pretty fun because every once in a while, Wiley Coyote will just give you free bird seed. And nothing bad will come of it. Like, there's so many gags like, oh, oh, that, that's some birdseed. That, that's awfully nice. Whatever he's trying isn't going to work, but it's nice for him to give me some birdseed. That's probably the only times he gets fed out here. And it, like, maybe we, maybe that's really what it is. Like, they, they chase after each other, and, and Wiley Coyote obviously wants to eat the Roadrunner. But maybe it's just a solvent relationship like that. Okay, he keeps giving me food, and, and I keep uh, chasing him off cliffs. Like it, 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 maybe it's just a balanced relationship like that. We will find out all this, all this and more in the uh, Acme versus uh, Wiley movie coming to theaters in two thousand thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah, at this rate, yeah, or, or earlier, hopefully. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, Space Jam Two will point us in the in the good direction of, of Looney Tunes features. I don't know. I'll go and see the Wiley Coyote Acme movie. You know, it's fine. it'll be fine. But uh, as for this uh, short, perfectly fine. I I like pretty much all the gags. Were any gags where I'm like, eh, you know, it was good. It was yeah. good. So why I'm giving this a four out of five and more rating. Yeah, I'm only giving it a three point five out of five. But I think I think we basically just think it's the same. 
it's just, it's a solid, just, it, it's a while like I Roadrunner cartoon. It's not the showiest. It's not the one of the highlights where I'm like, oh my god, if you're gonna do a Wild e. Coyote Roadrunner one, you have to see this one. There's a reason that um, it didn't get onto the Golden Collections immediately. It's it's fine. Yeah, and the weapon so um, interesting is and again, you did not plan this because you just put that random. Yeah. <clears throat> this is our only Maltese Jones cartoon. Yeah. This episode huh. because. Uh, the next one, which is uh, Beep Prepared, yeah. which was released on November 11th, 1961, was written by Chuck Jones and John Dunn, okay. a, a, a later era uh, Lean Tunes uh, writer. Okay, interesting. And in terms of what happened on the day the short got released, uh, the book Catch-22 oh. by Joseph Heller was published on this day. Interesting. And uh, the song that was released at the time was uh, Big Bad John by Jimmy Dean mm. of the Jimmy Dean Show, where uh, Ralph the Dog gained prominence. And and the um, Jimmy Dean of the Sausage fan, correct? I have no idea. That, well, wouldn't it be amazing if that was the same person? I think it is. <laughs> is it? I think it That's is. Amazing. Look that up. It, I'm 90% sure it is. Because his whole thing, um, the one with all the Jimmy Dean commercials, is that because they have arcade... His career? Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. In 1969, he founded the Jimmy Dean Sausage Company. All of the, all the no, commercials... All the commercials for Jimmy Dean Sausage start the same way, because it's, it's all archived audio of Jimmy Dean, and they all start with, I'm Jimmy Dean, and, uh, and they just insert the rest of whatever the relevant um, <laughs> uh, dialogue is after, uh, they always keep the uh. I don't know why. <laughs> they could have just ended with, they could have just said, you know, hi, I'm Jimmy Dean, and then just go right into it. But they have to do, I'm Jimmy Dean, and uh, it, it's, it's like the JFK, uh, or, uh, you know, the sort of thing that they do, where the, the ers and the uhs have to be into it. But um, you do you, Jimmy Dean Sausage Company, you do you. Uh, I know why they kept the uh. Why? It's easier to connect things when there's a uh. I don't know. I mean, I'm, look, what I do when I'm talking generally, like if, if I'm just trying to accentuate a joke is like, like if, I, if I'm just like really like running fast from it from a joke line, I'll literally just go like an uh, and then just have a long pause. But that's mostly just my comic mentality. Like there, there's a comedian I like named Dara O'Brien, who's Irish, who um, when he's finished with a joke, he'll just go, eh. Like, it's just a very, like, every single time, it's, it's a verbal tick, but it's literally just like his comedian mindset, like, you know, I've just done a, just done a, a loud joke, uh, you know, just like that, just the same, ah, uh, kind of thing. But, um, maybe, the uhs are always strategic. Well, anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, the short was, uh, directed by Chuck Jones, uh, co-directed by Moose Noble. Because, once again, this is 1961, and Chuck Jones is looking at the door, like, okay, a few more, do a few more of these, and I can leave. Yeah. I counted two more uhs, by the way, in that. Uh, <laughs> we do a lot of uhs as well. No, actually, it's yours is uh, mine is so. Right. So, <laughs> so if you want to get really plastered, guys, um, uh, take a drink every time that we do an uh or a so, and then you will die. 
Oh, boy. Ah, damn it. Uh. Okay. So. I said it. I said it again. So, I kept on saying the word. <laughs> anyway. This short was nominated for an Academy Award for oh. Best Short. Oh. It lost. It lost to yeah. Ersatz, which was a short from Yugoslavia. Really? I I briefly... Okay. Here's really fascinating. Okay, I looked this up. Like, okay, what shorts were nominated this year that uh, Be Prepared came out? So, Be Prepared was nominated that year. Good. Another Chuck Jones Warner Brothers short called Nelly's Folly was also oh. nominated that year, okay. as well as The Pied Piper of Guadalupe oh. from Chris Freeling that we watched in last week's show. Wow. So there were three Looney Tunes nominated that year. One from Disney um, called uh, Aquamania, Aquamania from, from the Disney company. And it's the short from Yugoslavia that won that year. Yeah. Now remember, guys, as Mick Jagger so eloquently puts it, in Yugoslavia, you never starve. Anyways, so <laughs> also fun fact, this is the only Roadrunner Wild Coyote short I assume in the Warner Brothers period, yeah. uh, to have a nighttime sequence. At the yes, and we will get into what what exactly that means, because that's a whole thing, because I have lots of things to say about this one as well. But yeah. All right. We begin with the Wally Coyote, who's credited as Hungry Flea Bagus. Yes. And he's on the On Your Mark stance mm-hmm. and like track and field stuff. And he's ready to go, and then the roadrunner just, at the top of a cliff, just takes a gun out and shoots it as, like, a get set and go. And the roadrunner is credited as Tid Bittus Velocitus. Hmm. And, and as soon as the uh, dust clears, it turns out that um, the uh, Wily has fallen down a gorge again. <laughs> he, he ran off the gorge. <laughs> This one has a lot of great cliff falls. Yes, lots of cliff falls. Mm-hmm. So as he as he gets up, Dakota he walks down. He's like, "What the hell?" And then he has a idea, so, and, and then we go into the short. By the way, I love. I've talked about this before, but um, anytime that there's a uh, Wiley Coyote has an idea shot, that's just him like just putting a finger up or just like springing into the shot. I kind of love that. It's the goofiest way of, of, of showing a thought process. Well, you know, you know what's interesting? Mm. Have you ever noticed in cartoons that the stereotype of a light bulb going off over a cartoon character's head, that the stereotype of it not being the light bulb, but just taking the light bulb and doing something with it has become a stereotype onto itself? Yeah, because they know it's the oldest trick in the book, but they want to do something with it. Like... Like one of the first ones I saw of that was the there was an episode of Ed Ed and Eddie, where where uh, Eddie gets an idea and it's a light bulb and then it very quickly goes off, and he's like literally confused by it. He was trying to get it to go back on. Uh, that's a good show. Yeah. All right, so we get into the uh, the gag section here. Yes, and it's a very simple gag, but I love it. It's the coyote. He sees the roadrunner coming, so he sticks his foot out in an attempt to trip the roadrunner. But then a truck comes and plants his foot. I love that. I like that. Could, could, That's great. That, that just, 
I love the thinking of, of, of the coyote there going, here's what I'll do. I'll trip him. <laughs> and just the reveal of the truck is just great. How is that his first idea? Right? <laughs> okay, let's see if that works. He's the fastest thing. Why don't I try and trip him? Wait, no. This might go haywire some way. And I also love this ending with a little Ministry of Silly Walk sort of skidding away from my life. Yeah. And, and then we go to the best gag in the short. Really? It's the yeah. second gag. For, for me personally, this was the best gag in the short. Yeah. So the coyote, it's so complex. I love it. So the coyote tries to use a bow and arrow to try and spear the roadrunner. Mm -hmm. Again, fastest thing alive. I'm going to use a technology that was used in medieval times. Yeah. A bow and arrow. This will work. He's really thinking sharp, this one. Yeah. So you know, he points a bow and arrow at him. Let's go. And, of course, it's um, the, the assembly arrow launching. The bow hits the coyote. He falls off the edge of the cliff. But then the wood of the bow grabs onto the, a ledge of the cliff. Yeah. And I love how as the coyote is falling down, we hear the, you know, like the... Uh, the sound of bawling, essentially. And then it just stops. <laughs> the pause. Uh, uh, there's no fit or anything. It's just... Perfect. And then the coyote gets slung back up into the air. And... <laughs> so he gets slung onto the air. And then the string is on the ledge. The wood is now on Wild Coyote's head. While he's grabbing the cliff from where he fell, then at that moment, the string breaks a piece off of the ledge, which shoots back up towards the coyote. So now the coyote is stuck between two things of rock. Yes. He is literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yes. As our second Rolling Stones reference, I'm gonna, we're going to aim for a third by the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. Anyways, <laughs> so... So the coyote wakes up and finds that the cliff segment is over him. So he pushes that cliff segment over. He almost loses his balance. He almost falls off the second rock that he's on. He gets back on the rock. Then he's relieved for a bit. He, he's fine for a second. And then at the very bottom of the cliff, we get introduced to this. It's a rock seesaw. So he... <laughs> Lands on the rock seesaw. The piece of rock that was on him earlier lands on the other side of the seesaw. It catapults that coyote back to the cliff. And he ricochets off of it and ends up catapulting the other rock onto himself. It is so complex. So well well worked out. I love it. Oh my god. It, and just... It's one of those things where like, okay, this will be a simple gag. And it keeps going. And it like just turns into this whole wild thing that turns into like five other gags and just it's it's fantastic and i don't think it i don't know if it's like definitively the best gag in this cartoon for me i feel like it just keeps going with a lot of really good ones but it's just a very strong start because the next gag is that uh that coyote and i i love to think of the coyote in this one because now his plan is a manhole 
Hmm. I'll just drop. He'll just drop into a manhole. Sure. He hears the roadrunner coming. He pulls a rope that's supporting the manhole cover. And just before he falls into the manhole, of course, roadrunner, he he picks up the manhole and takes it away. Yeah. Like, literally, like, full... Like, you know that scene in Wilfred Roger Rabbit where the, the cops joke about yes. um, the acne products and one of them is the manhole? It's that. <laughs> it's that gag. It's it's pr- it's predating uh, Yellow Submarine whole logic. Yes. <laughs> Got a hole in me pocket. So the ruiner takes the manhole and runs with it while he's like, like he's like, get back here. <laughs> get back here with my hole. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then the man, and then they go, they chase onto a bridge. Yes. Where the roadrunner, before the coyote gets there, he puts he puts the hole back, and that's when the coyote falls through the bridge. That's great. And, just, and we see him fall to the ground through the hole on the bridge. It's such yeah. an inventive gag. Mm-hmm. So creative. And then we get a, a quick gag of the coyote trying to be like Batman. Oh, yeah. He, except he's attached to a rocket, but instead of you know, doing repeats of the Superman suit and just having him fly around a bit, the rocket explodes. Yes. <laughs> you know? It does. It... A very... Uh, a very... Uh, it, it's also the, the easiest gag in in this thing. Yeah, but it still but works. It's so well done. It still works. Yeah. And then we have uh, Y Coyote using, again, birdseed, except it's... Iron bird seed. Oh yeah, this was a good one. So his plan is the runner is gonna eat the bird seed, but it has a type of metal in it, mm. and he has a magnet. So he's gonna use the magnet to keep up with the roadrunner so he can get him. Yeah. Which admittedly it works. Yeah. You know, um the that's the important thing about this gag here is that it does work. The pr- the problem is that as they're doing this chase, the roadrunner goes to railroad tracks. Oh and just as the roadrunner approaches a bridge, he runs off as Y Coyote runs into the path of the train because train tracks are also metal. Yeah. So, and I just love um, the visual of the coyote getting embroiled onto the tracks there. Yes. That's a very lovely reveal. Yes. And also just the POV of the train coming and then. Wiley Coyote frantically trying to get off of the tracks as it passes. Yeah, I just watch that going like, oh no. It's great. Oh no. And around here, I, I think, the, the, yeah, around here, I figured out the hook of this entire piece, which is this entire short takes place over the passage of one day. And around these, I started seeing more visible sunsets and more waning sun action because at the start of this cartoon, it's more blue sky, it's more daytime. It's like, okay, we've woken up with these people, it's the morning, and the whole cartoon is like the rest of the day with these characters. And it's literally showing the passage of time over the course of a day and seeing more sunsets, and I really like that. It's it's not every day that we actually have that with one of these. The next gag is uh, dusk approaching. Yeah. Uh, this, this segment's taking place at dusk, in which he just has a spring-loaded block of pavement to go up as soon as yeah. he unhooks the mechanism or whatever. So here's uh, the roadrunner coming, and he winds the crank, pushes the level, the lever, but of course, the roadrunner stops short, and then the pavement springs up a bit too hard, and crushes the coyote. Yeah. 
it's it's all of these gags are working for the record. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, the senseless gag here is the uh, Wiley just decides, okay, I'm going to try to shoot up the Roadrunner. So he gets this machine gun system set up in which the Roadrunner passes through a trip rope, he cuts it in two, and the guns go off. However, the Roadrunner speaks through the rope so fast that they don't go off. No. And of course, Wiley is like, what the hell is going on here? So he just um, gets the rope and he's like pulling on them like, come on, work, damn you. And of course, that just sets up the guns. And you just see like this cloud of smoke forming around the coyote's um, bottom half. And then we just have Wiley just walking off, holding up his bottom half because he got like, shot to bits. Bitches. Ah. That's a go. The last gag, it takes place at night. Mm. And at I just night. love the, the reveal. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the reveal of, we see the receipts. You know, it says like, uh, you know, uh, Acme uh, rocket launchers. And, and then the next thing is like, like, like 30 and the number 30. Uh, like, Things of, of of train tracks. Yeah. Because his last gag is, as soon as the roadrunner passes by me, I'm going to light up a bunch of rockets I've attached to this vehicle I made, and I'm going to, like, use rocket power... Uh-huh. Rocket power <laughs> to try and get the roadrunner. So he, he's just going for broke here, essentially. Yeah. So... The Roner comes, he he lights up all the rockets, the rockets blast off, and of course what happens is instead of going towards the Roadrunner, he reaches out the tube. So it just yeah. blasts off out of Earth atmosphere, past satellites <laughs> and planets. And it would have been nice if there was a Marvin the Martian cameo, but whatever. Yeah. So he blasts off and our cartoon ends with him blowing up. Yeah, blowing up and into a constellation. Yeah. It becomes a constellation. Well, I don't know this. He is taken on the con- the constellation of Sagittarius. No, Sagittarius. Which is yes. Which happens to be uh, my horoscope. Damn it. Yeah, it's both it's well, both of our uh, it's both of our birth yes. signs, yeah. Yes. So this cartoon literally ends with a with our birth sign. Hence, mm-hmm. we own this cartoon and any rights and royalties <laughs> from it. Yeah, that, that that's actually a smart thing to say. Um, and but and, and before we actually get into wrapping the cartoon, just one more thing of, uh, with the whole full day arc thing: the fact that the last one's happening at night, and it is literally Wiley Coyote at his most desperate, and he's literally going, "Okay, I've done this all day. This is this the one that will cost the most money." I, if this doesn't work, like, like it's just him completely desperate just trying something, and of course it ends up blowing him into space. I love that contrast. Although it would have been a very funny if it ended with him, like, you know, still at night, just sort of crashing down to Earth in a lump, and Roadrunner coming up with a sign that said, same time next week. Because oh. that would have really made, made a button on the whole, the novelty of this taking place in a day, which was really cool yeah. to me. So Yeah, so... I really like this one. Oh yeah, same. Oh man, I mean, 
the gag work on this had me audibly laughing the entire time. Now, that's the thing with me and Roaner cartoons. For the most part, I'll find them funny, but I won't, like, audibly hard laugh. You should be like, huh, you know, or like, uh, that, that, that was pretty good. This, I audibly hard laugh, oh especially God. at that, uh, at that uh, rock gag. Yeah. It, it was just great execution. So well built, and um, yeah, it's it's a lovely short. Um, it's really a shame it lost the Oscar because I yeah. I watched a bit of of the one that won, and um, it's fine. It kind of has that like UPA style of the cartoon that won. I'm like, okay, I kind of see what you're doing here, but um, I don't know. Meanwhile, oh, I did find it fascinating. No, I was gonna, I was going to say that the Pied Piper Pied Piper of Guadalupe had more of a UPN style. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on, on Be Prepared. I, th I think it was a really well-organized cartoon. I love the framing of a full day of work for Wile E. Coyote. I love how well done a lot of these gags were, especially the rock one, especially the um, the iron and the train tracks one. That, that was great. There were a lot of highlight gags for me. None of them really didn't work. Just a solid Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner one all around. One of the, probably one of, my, one of the better ones. Yes. So I'm giving this a 5 out of 5 Anvil rating. I, I really, I really enjoyed this one. I'm like, do I give it a 5? I had it as a 4.5. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm giving it a 5 out of 5. There. It deserves it. It is that good. It is an excellent Wile E. Coyote cartoon. One of the best ones. It deserves a 5 as well. Yeah, I mean, this was the only uh, Ronan Wile E. Coyote cartoon to get nominated for an Oscar. So, And I can see why. Yeah. And also, there's a fun uh, fact here in that the last gag in this was used in the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie. Yeah, uh, I should have said uh, that. This was the last gag in it, which yeah. kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, we've done two good um, Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons. And we... Uh, here's, here's one that isn't as good. Um... Because we have to go into the, the Patty Freeling years for this next one. And for those of you, for some reason, unaware, the, the, the Patty Freeling years of the uh, Warner Brothers production is when a lot of the better animators and directors left the company. And it was just basically Fritz Freeling and David DePatty making a lot of the decisions with cheaper animation studio and less polished idea men. And the cartoons came off like they weren't run through the same well-oiled machine as the um, Termite Terrace years. Um, and we're going to have a whole cartoon where we rant about different to Patty Freeling um, things that they did. But this is really just a preview of that. Um, so this is a couple of years into the, um, the, the Patty Freeling experiment. Um, 1965. Yeah, 65. Only four years after Be Prepared. Yeah. Which, holy shit, that puts this cartoon at disadvantage. Because mm. you look at a Highway Runnery and Be Prepared, and you'd think it's been like 10 years or something. Yeah. With the way things are. But no. Not, not as such... Um, so yeah, Highway Runnery is the one that we got, 
Um, this one was directed by Rudy Lariva, um, written by Albertino. Of the few animators that worked on this one, one of the big name that you should recognize is Virgil Ross, one of the Termite Terrace boys. Mm -hmm. It was one of the better animators of that era. I don't know what the hell he was still doing there at this point, but hey, he needed some work, so I'm fine with it. Um, this cartoon came out on December 11th, 1965. Oh my God, Mark, you know what I just realized? What? All three cartoons we covered in this episode were released on the 11th of a month. This one was December 11th. Be Prepared was November 11th. And Hook, Line, and Sinker was October 11th. Wait a minute. With all succeeding months as well. Oh my god! I picked these last week. I I picked these last week randomly. And I got out of it a October 11th, November 11th, December 11th sort of thing. How in God's Holy name did shit. I do that? Holy crap. Holy shit. Okay. I have magic powers, nice. apparently. Okay. Um, nice. December 11, 1965. Uh, one of the few famous people who were born on this day. The very niche one that I know because I collect a lot of baseball cards. Uh, Jay Bell, who played shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Arizona Diamondbacks in the 1990s, was born on that day. Had a long 15-year MLB career. He was pretty good for a little while. Uh, in theaters on this day, another pair of pretty good movies. Uh, for a few dollars more... Directed by Sergio Leone and starring uh, Clint Eastwood. And Flight of the Phoenix, the original, starring uh, 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 Jimmy Stewart, uh, were both released. Well, not released on that day, but they were out in theaters on that day. Uh, the number one song in the U.S., Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. Good job, USA. Uh, the number one in the U.K. was a song by the Seekers that I'd never heard of. So uh, the U.S. wins one for once. It's not going to last long, because all the ones in the 70s or 80s, the better hits are going to be in the UK. Because uh, oh, yeah. the US doesn't know anything about pop music. Anyway! Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Highway Runnery. So, okay, so before we get into this, yeah, I hate the title. It's. A Would you have any idea that this was a Wild Eye Coyote cartoon by this title? No. Like, you think this one would be like a silly... Short about uh, like a cars thing, like like WB did a cars thing before Disney did it or whatever. Mm. Although, although oh, wait, 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 I got it. This is the title you put in front of a short about two cars who go rob banks. Oh, highway runnery. There you go. No, no, you would call that Bonnie and Chrysler. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say Bonnie and Clydesdale, but that's a pair of horses. Um, anyway. Um, but no, because it, it's very funny that you mentioned the whole thing about, like, that, that no one would know this would be a Roadrunner Karyani cartoon by the title. You can say the same thing about Hook, Line, and Stinker. Because Hook, Line, and Stinker could be the name of anything. Mm -hmm. So. Just putting that out there. Um, okay. The very well, I don't like it. No. No, sir, I don't like it. The very first thing you will notice about um, this cartoon as a, as a Roadrunner Coyote cartoon, um, there aren't any Latin names. The Roadrunner and Coyote don't get their usual Latin names at the beginning of this cartoon. It starts with the Roadrunner and Coyote whizzing by already in action, and we don't get the usual 
uh, Latin names joke, which is probably the biggest piece of evidence that something is up in the writer's room and that it's not Chuck Jones. <laughs> Something's wrong here. Yeah. It's, that was really the first sign. The second sign for me that something was up, because the opening gag is um, basically the wild coyote hiding behind a cactus and the Roadrunner's speed basically making the cactus come down on Wiley Coyote. And when the cactus comes down on Wiley Coyote, he lets out a genuine coyote howl. Like an awoo kind of deal. Yeah. Never that before in the history of this character had the Looney Tunes writers even begun to care about making him a zoologically accurate coyote, with complete with coyote noises and or habitual things. So now they think it's okay. That was when I began to, it really began to set in of, oh no, something is up here. And then it was also around this time that I realized that um, the music was being done by Bill Lava, who was the uh, WB music guy of this time. And the music felt very oddly peppy to me. Like, like just lots of, tri like of triumphant trumpet things and, and like hip kind of 60s, stuff and I'm like, well what is this doing in a Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon? I mean for me personally, I didn't think there wasn't much music in this, to be honest with you. Well it popped up every once in a while. Yeah, but it popped up in the wrong places, I feel. It it felt like a it, yeah. felt, it felt very similar to the the casino you know the theme to the uh, original Casino Royale? I'll, I'll tell you how I know you know it. You know the SNL sketch where it's the locker room and Peyton Manning and Will Forte is the coach yes. and he goes, uh, "Yes." There's this one song that always used to cheer us up when we, when I was when I was a player and he plays the Casino Royale theme and he starts dancing like a madman okay. to it. All right, it's yes. that song. Yes, that they did okay. another one with Michael Phelps that I honestly like better because it's a funnier song and it's Will Forte going red red faced. But um, that one I remember because it's the Casino Royale theme. So the music in this is just this sort of puppy. It's like, okay, fine. Good for you, Bill Lava. But this isn't really befitting of a Wiley Coyote cartoon. And then we get to the part that pissed me off. Okay. So first of all, the entire first minute of this cartoon is built up. It's not like we have our usual uh, proof of concept gag. It's just very fillery sort of running around and nothing happening sort of gags for this. Then we sort of are led around to this, this, this old car on the side of the road in the desert. How it got there, I have no idea. And basically the roadrunner by some way, shape or form ends up in the car and starts driving it around and chasing Wiley Coyote. I'm going to just step us back for a moment. Roadrunner, one of the fastest individual characters in the Warner Brothers canon, and, and honestly, cartoon canon in general, driving a car, which goes at most 75, 80 miles per hour at this rate. Why does, why does the Roadrunner need a car? He's it's a, weird to see it. It's... It, he's a fucking roadrunner. His thing is being fast. He's already fast without the car. 
Why does he need to drive a car and chase Wile E. Coyote in a car? It feels like the, the cartoon equivalent of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, where they're just randomly a, a, a racing game for some fucking reason, rather than actually being a, a fun platformer thing like the other Banjo-Kazooie games. Hey, spoiler, I actually know nothing about the game, video games. Yeah, what the hell? Um, <laughs> no, but what is... No, but what works to me is, like, you kind of make the argument of, oh, well, you've seen the Roadrunner in, like, in a train before or in a truck before. True, but that was at the end of a short, usually. Yes. Like, it's the last gag of the picture. It's like, and hey, we're out of here. We're doing this. We're breaking continuity this one time because it's the last gag of the picture. Yeah. This is the first gag of the picture. Help. This is the reason it's called Highway Runnery. Of yes. this one Bad car gag. In fact, I was worried. Sorry, go. No, 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 no. No, in fact, I was worried that, like, this would be the rest of the short. Just Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote in cars. That's boring as hell. Yeah, and it's weird because they're usually running around. So why would they be in cars? Actually, here's the other thing that pissed me off about this gag. Why is the gag that the Roadrunner is chasing Wile E. Coyote? The whole point of these gags is that Wiley Coyote has an idea, it's a good idea, but it's foiled by his own stupidity. How is this one foiled by Wiley's stupidity? Roadrunner is always driving the car until the point where the Roadrunner jumps off at a dead end, the car basically runs Wiley Coyote into a wall. Wiley Coyote never has the upper hand or thinks he has the upper hand in this gag. Therefore, it is harder for the gag to work. Why frame it like that? Why frame it as a complete, come like, okay, this bad thing happens to Wiley? Because unless there's an actual comeuppance in there, there's no way of actually getting a laugh from it. And you know what else? It's slow. It's very slow. It's, okay, the scene. Right when we get into the car thing, there's a moment where the Coyote and the Roadrunner, they're chasing each other around the broken down car. Yeah. And it's slow as hell. And the, the pacing is just bad. So. Oh, also, also, uh, also, one other thing. I. Oh wait, oh, wait, no, no. This is. I'm leaving the cartoon. But the next gag thing <laughs> is that. Um, that Coyote pokes his head out from a rock and goes back in. As I believe he goes out to. Stretch out the rubber band or something. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyways. So they're doing this gag. And, you know, and he's stretching the rubber band out. And he's stretching by all these other things. Yeah. However, he's stretching, like, I believe around the other things. Because I don't think he's like... Anyways. So he stretches himself all the way back by by a pole... By a friggin' uh, like a, a electrical wire tower, and his plan is to catapult himself off where he is to the roadrunner, which mm-hmm. honestly makes no sense, but whatever. So he lets himself go, and the gag is he runs into the things he walked around. Yeah, which like he could see that coming. Yeah, like. You would think when he's doing this, like, okay, and, oh, gosh, I brown that. Okay, yeah, which are like, oh, but he's being stupid. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't feel earned. No. And around here is when 
the littlest things in this cartoon started also coming up to me. Like, the way the characters don't exactly sync up with the backgrounds and how, even in the sort of coming past, like, when, when he's sort of coming past all these, these objects in the shot, it doesn't feel like, it feels like he's raised, it doesn't feel like he's in the, in the same, he's being animated by the same people as the, it, it definitely comes off like a cookie cutter kind of thing. And it just, like... And also, mm-hmm. also, a lot of zoom-ins. A lot of zoom-ins. There's a lot of zoom-ins, which, hey, I guess you could save an animation by mm. instead of just cutting to the next shot, by just zooming into a shot you're already animated. Exactly, but also just the way that, like, the smallest sprites are reused, the way that, like, we don't have to see, like, we, like there's edits to just, like... Like there's there's a shot of some like him climbing up something and then the next shot like 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 they don't even cut away he's just sort of there, and it, it just lazy edits and weird chronology and a, the occasional reused sprite and it just it's a lot of corner cutting that really got to me in this. However, there's a reused shot. Yes, yes. However, the end of this is a, is still a very good Wiley falling off a cliff gag, so. Yeah, and then we get this uh, skateboard gag. Yeah, the fan and the skateboard which, um, with a little sail on it. Yeah, um, and um, it's something we've seen already. Yeah. You know, it's the same like he tries to get across and then it fails and he blows and he's almost at the end. Then, of course, the thing breaks and he falls down. Yeah, although this one did have another good cliff realization where he, where it's literally like a double zoom right to the cliff. Like, Although I could have done without the audible yow from Wiley. Like, Wiley Coyote is better when he doesn't make noises. And, again, the timing of him blowing the sail to the other side of the cliff and then the sail curling up and him falling is pretty good. So these cartoons are still capable of, like, good timing. But uh, it's still itself. Um, So this next one, the egg gag. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't like this one either. Yep. Because I saw a clearly reused uh, shot in this uh, section right here. Well, that's not why I didn't like it. Oh, there's a, there is one bit of it that I did like, but um, the, the, the little okay. First of all, the little sound effect as Wiley races away with the egg. We didn't especially need that. The want to make goofy sound effects a thing in Looney Tunes cartoons was never a thing at Termite Terrace. We don't need them now. Then, I didn't really understand the gang. So it basically, it's him hiding a bomb, a ticking bomb, in, in a little egg. And so the Roadrunner comes by, sits on it, and out of the egg comes a amalgamated Roadrunner bomb thing. How and why? And what? It's and it, and of course the ticking bomb child thing comes over to the wily coyote and blows up next to him. Which weird. And then the timer, the original timer that he put in the egg starts going off and which is what the one thing I like, the second he slams it with a rock, there's another explosion. Yeah. That's what I like. Me too. Like, okay, that was good. However, see, this is where they reused a shot of the coyote being behind the rock and then hiding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again. Used it twice. Those cheap bastards. Now, 
this last gag I hate. Oh yeah, I didn't I like hated it this ending. I hate this ending. Especially becoming because we're coming off Be Prepared, where it has an infinitely better rocket blasting in the space gag. So, what was it again? It was the same sort of setup of like a. He straps. He straps a big rocket on his back. Yeah. To get the Roadrunner on a scooter. Yeah. So he's literally. It's literally the same fucking thing. Yeah. However, when he lights the rocket, sends him in the air. He passes through three clouds, which I'm like, okay, okay, so far you got me, so far you got me. He ends up in space. Yeah. And it's the most shittiest looking space I've ever seen. It's barely space. It's basically Earth surrounded by blue sky and clouds. Okay, Mr. Scientist. Okay, Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Explain to me this. Explain to me this. If we're looking at Earth, if we're away from Earth, outside of Earth, how come there's fucking blue sky? Whose atmosphere is that? Why isn't there stars and space and other planets and shit? How 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 come? Answer that question, Rudy Lariva and friends. Because it's going to keep me up at night if, uh, if I don't get it. Why would you think that people, kids even, would say, yeah, that's a thing? Why would you cut that corner, the corner of space realism? Oh. It's not... It's not hard to draw space. It's not hard to draw it's space. It's really not. It's space. It's yes. white dots on a black background. I could do that shit in my sleep. Yes. So, the rocket explodes. And, oh my god, this is so bad. So then Cody gets animated towards the camera. Then a hard cut as he plummets back to Earth. Wait a minute. So, so let me get this straight again. So mm-hmm. Wiley Coyote is blown towards the camera, then comes back towards Earth, drawn by the force that, I'm sorry, what's the force, um, what is the force that holds you to Earth again, Mark? Gravity. Gravity. Okay. Next question. Okay. Uh, space. Uh, does space have gravity? It does not. No, it does not have gravity. You want to know how I know that? Because I've seen a billion fucking space movies where things float around in space forever. The ending of this should be Wile E. Coyote floating around in space until fucking Marvin the Martian picks him up and goes, Oh dear, an earthling or something. I still can't do that voice. But the joke still stands. I... They struck out twice in a span of five seconds with space logic. How can you fuck up that royally? No, it gets worse. So he falls back down to Earth, and as he's falling down, we iris out. We do that iris out thing, except we stop at the Earth, and we don't stop the cartoon until we see a puff of smoke, and then the cartoon just stops. Wait a Okay, okay, third thing. <laughs> so, when we see Wild Coyote land on the ground with a puff of smoke... It is from a wide shot from a cliff face. And it's like a little a little puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. Which means, if we were to see a little puff of smoke from space looking at the Earth, that means that there would have had to be a massive explosion. 
and just one coyote landing on the earth, unless he lands on a fucking fireworks factory, is not going to do a whole massive explosion. Strike three, you're out, Lariva. And, man, it's a... You know what? Just like that coyote landing back on earth, it was a thud of an ending. Mm -hmm. I honestly would have been... I would have been honestly fine if it ended with the double clock explosion gag. Yeah. Because, like, that's a bit of a subversion. It's like, haha, I got blumped twice. That's funny. Instead of this half-assed, cheap, old-looking ending. <sighs> oh, it makes me mad. Ugh. So. Gee, I, I wonder why Frizz... I wonder why uh, Warner Brothers, by making that Christmas special, went, okay, Frizz, you can do two of the segments. Can I do a Roner segment? No, we're calling Chuck. We're calling Chuck for that, I, okay? I just find it <laughs> I find it very odd that, that Warner Brothers will allow this to be on HBO Max. You know, that, well, that, 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 that wants to be one of their big accomplishments, that they have every Wild Coyote cartoon on HBO Max, including the shit ones. Including, I mean, I don't think this is like, like it's it, it's worth watching more of the Patty Freeling and seeing if they're all this bad, but this was just yes, pitiful. Like, okay, there were a few pieces of gags that worked, but most of them either didn't or weren't animated correctly or just were completely misguided. Having people that aren't Chuck Jones on this project did doom it a bit, as his gag mentality is missing. The way he paces and structures cartoons is very specific and made a lot of those Roadrunner Coyote cartoons in the 50s and early 60s great. But with a lot more puttering around before getting into the gags and a lot more misguided gag work, it, like, like two specific, three specific gags did not work at concept at all in this piece. A lot of it felt like it was wasting my time. And I do not want to feel like that when I'm watching a Wiley Coyote Roadrunner cartoon. Just... No, pitiful. Yeah, I mean, this short came out only four years after Be Prepared. And nearly everything about this short is worse. Mm -hmm. The pacing is worse. The animation is worse. The gag work, besides from like one, maybe two gags, was worse. And... I just hate how the short's called Highway Runnery do just one car joke. Yeah. It's just like... Like, okay, I love the Roadrunner Wild Cody titles were kind of like thrown together. You know, not a lot of them were tied to a specific gag or anything. But usually if the short is tied to a certain gag, the gag was worth it. You know, it was yeah. usually the big gag that was the reason it was called that. Mm-hmm. This car gag is a shit gag. Oh my god! And it's just weird to the, and it's just weird to see the Roadrunner in a car. It's a weird visual. It's. Uh, mm. I have a rating is two out of five animals. I had it at two out of five, but I I brought it down to a one after that whole entire space gag. Uh, Not good. Guys, not good. Not good. When's that? Oh, God, that's in only about four episodes. We're doing a full episode about them. Oh, God. 
you know what? We're strong people. We can get through some. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? One of them's cool, Cat. Oh, no. <laughs> We're doomed. Okay, okay. Maybe it won't be that bad. One of them's the wild chase with Rowan and Wild Coyote in it. Oh, oh no. no. We're doomed. Doom. We're prepping you all in advance. We're prepping you all in advance. All right. Um, so the lesson we learned here is that it's possible to do Wally Coyote and Rowan are really good as long as you're either Chuck Jones, someone who worked under Chuck Jones, and only those two things. Yeah. Which, okay, by the way, so so Virgil Ross was part of the last short. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really find any moment in that third short that's like, oh, that was that was, was really well I made. Like, yeah. I couldn't really find any moment here that's like, clearly that's the, like, no. No. Let's read some comments. Yeah. Please be gentle. <laughs> okay, so we have an opinion from a... Uh, Wandering writer, also known as uh, Cody. Yes. And uh, his his opinion is that Digimon is greater than Pokemon. Um. Now, first of all, um, this is what Cody does when RMR's site is on hiatus. <laughs> this is how your tax dollars are going for. Um. No. No. Much love there. But um, I'm gonna get a, a I'm gonna get a severed head sent to me in the mail from Louis Otero probably. Um, no, I, I get one every month. Uh, it's it's a deal we have. Um, but um, in in terms of this thesis statement about Digimon and Pokemon, I don't exactly agree. But I honestly didn't really grow up with either Digimon or Pokemon, so. I am only saying that Pokemon is better because it's the more culturally accessible and the more um, universally beloved product. And Digimon to me always felt like a dollar store cash-in of Pokemon. I am sorry to say it like that because I know a lot of people like that, but it didn't really do it for me. Now, Pokemon for me, hmm. I was that kid. I was a total Pokemon kid. Yeah. However... Yo, it's so funny. I had a Game Boy Advance at the time of Pokemon, but I never wanted a Pokemon video game. But I watched the show at the time. So my only interest in Pokemon was the anime. It was the Pokemon series and, and, and the Pokemon movies, which, in my humble opinion, it's, it's not my opinion, because a lot of people have it. Uh, first three movies, really good. The fourth film... Has its defenders. Um, I, I don't know what the general drop off point for a lot of people were, but for me, um, the last Pokemon movie I got invested in was a Wishmaker. Hmm. Whatever, so whatever year that came out, that was the last like year I was having the Pokemon. And then, of course, Detective Pikachu came out, and just my nostalgia brain went, I want to see that. Yeah. And uh, good movie. Detective Pikachu is all right. Until the third act. Third act gets a little... Yeah. Uh, okay. It's but, all right uh, for the most part. First two acts. Um, I was never that much into the Digimon. Um, I think I once accidentally watched one of the series finales. Because I know Digimon's a show that's been like 
on, then off, then on again. So I think I watched one of the finales by accident when it aired on uh, Jetix mm. during the, the, the Disney era of that. So yeah, that, that's my only thing about Digimon. Um, the theme song does slap, though. Yeah. Not gonna lie. It was pretty catchy. They both have catchy theme songs. So, so you know, there's something they both have in common. Both the theme songs are catchy. Yes. Lewis is going to cut off one of the uh, Digimon Legos he built and send it to you. Yeah, he probably and will. Um, and I apologize, Lewis, because I know Lewis is a very big Digimon fan. Um, yeah. I, it's just the way I was brought up. I had a very sheltered childhood. You know. But thanks, thanks for, uh, thanks for t- uh, calling in, Cody. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Okay, so for next week's show, we're not doing the 60s show next week. Oh, that would be suicide. Yeah. That would be, uh, that'd be really bad. Mm-hmm. No, uh, next week's show, we're doing, okay, even though we just did fairy tales like literally last week, we're going to go back to fairy tales next week because we're doing the three little pigs. We're mm-hmm. doing three shorts about the three little pigs. The first one is The Three Little Pigs from Disney. Okay. Uh, the second one we're doing is uh, Pigs in a Polka, which was Warner Brothers' uh, response to The Three Little Pigs. Oh, okay. So, kind of like a compare and contrast thing. And, of course, we're ending it with The Three Little Bops. Yes. Because that's a that's a lovely one. That's a classic. That's a, that's a nice uh, Stan Freeberg love letter. Yeah, it, it's a good one, and it's it's. I think it's it's stood the test of time, and it'll be interesting to compare and contrast all of these. Um, and I'm probably going to insist on having pork for dinner that night. Um, all right, so that's the end of our show. If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Halem, 1995, and you can follow me at Tolga Schmidt. If you'd like to give your thoughts for next week's episode. Or to keep up with the podcast, you can follow at that underscore loony, our time in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also find this podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Player FM, Anchor, where, wherever the heck. You guys know where we are. We just do this for, for yes. security. All right. So until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan, and remember folks, the Earth is in space, not the sky. <laughs>